Welcome to Nashville Restaurant Radio, the tastiest hour of talk in Music City. Now here's your host, Brandon Still. Hello, Music City, and welcome to Nashville Restaurant Radio. We are presented by Gordon Food Service. My name is Brandon Still, and I am your host. We have got a great one for you today on this Grand Prix, Music City Grand Prix weekend. Going to the weekend, we are, we're talking rock and roll. We are going to be talking with Sandy Gennaro. Sandy is a uh, author. He wrote a book called Beat the Odds in Business and in Life. And BEAT is an acronym that you're going to learn in this, this episode. And uh, Sandy's an interesting guy because he was in the room. He was the drummer. He's a drummer uh, for Cindy Lauper. And he was. Uh, he tells the story of walking in the room and seeing her with half her shaved head and the pink hair, and and you know, and he does a great, he does a great Cindy Lauper uh, impression. But he went from Cindy Lauper to Joan Jett. He played with the Monkees. He's kind of he he's he's a rock and roll guy. And we got, we got talking, and I told him that uh, Howard Stern's kind of one of my inspirations. He goes, I've been on Howard Stern a couple times. He actually sent me the video of him on Howard Stern. And uh, I was, I'm starstruck. It was really, really cool. Really fun to have him in studio. And I think you're going to love some of the stories that he is going to tell. And it's inspirational too, man. I think that he talks about attitude and the little things in life that you do every single day, that uh, the dominoes that fall. And I love it. So we got into a little, both of our stories. I think you're going to like it. The Mexican restaurant bracket is out right now, guys. It's tight. It is tight. There's a couple runaways. Uh, there's a couple that are just absolutely running away with it. And then there's a bunch of them that are like one to two votes away. So go to NashvilleRestaurantRadio.com. On the homepage right there, you can scroll down just a little bit. The first section says, vote for your favorite Mexican restaurant. This is brought to you by NetChecks. And NetChecks is an amazing partner. They are your H- HR solution, payroll solution, scheduling solution. So many solutions that they have. Lauren Domain over there has done such an amazing job of setting this up. We, t- we break down the entire bracket in an episode, the last episode with uh, Kayla Ellis and the Gospel of Cocktail podcast. That was a lot of fun. So go check it out. These places need your vote. Go share the post if you can. And if you're a Mexican restaurant out there, go tell your Mexican restaurant we're trying to get to everybody and everybody's not responding. But Hey, look, round two is going to come up on Monday. We're going to post the heck out of it this weekend. You guys tell your friends, post in all of the sites, and uh, let's crown an official the best Mexican restaurant in Nashville. We're going to have the final four of them on the show, hopefully. And then we're going to do a uh, we're going to do a whole party there on September 15th for the winner. So it's going to be a lot of fun. We are also doing Brandon's Book Club. The book this month is called The Comfort Crisis, and it is by Michael Easter, and this is going to be brought to you by Robbins Insurance. Yes, the insurance company for you, if you own a restaurant, they specialize in restaurant insurance, and they're local. You know, I had lunch with Matthew Clements and Van Robbins the other day, and we just had so much fun talking about all the people we know and all the just the, the things that we do individually to help and where we're at. And I told him, I said, it's so fun every time I meet a restaurateur and I say, who do you use your insurance through? And they go, ah, Progressive or somebody. I'm like, man, you need to have a guy. You need to be able to call Matthew Clemens and say, dude, I have an issue or whatever it is. You got to have a local guy. You have to have a local girl, somebody who you can rely on every single time you need anything in the insurance world. And that's what they do. And they're really amazing. Matthew Clements 
with Robbins Insurance. You can get a hold of him at 863-409-9372. But hey, guess what? They're buying the books. So if you guys want to get a copy of this book, just DM me and say, or go to Facebook. We have a Brandon's Book Club group. There's also a face, uh, Instagram Brandon's Book Club page. Just message on there and say, hey, man, I want a free book. And you can buy a book and then just send me the receipt and we'll uh, Venmo you the money for it. Up to 15 people. We're already at eight people that we've done that. So we're it's, we're getting people up there. I'm really excited about this and I'd love to have you in Brandon's Book Club. Again, the book is called The Comfort Crisis by Michael Easter. Yes. All right, so we are going to jump in today with Sandy Gennaro, and we've got another episode with Kayla Ellis, and she's going to be speaking with Laura from the Fox Bar this Wednesday. We're excited to have that, and then uh, Brandon, who's her head bartender at Oak, will be the following Wednesday. we got lots of shows. Monday, coming up this Monday, we're going to be talking with Ben and Jamie from Pearl Diver. So excited about having those guys on. That was one of the funnest interviews I've ever done. We were in here for like an hour and a half, and they are so sharp and so fun. I cannot wait to put this out for you Monday. So stay tuned. Lots of great stuff coming up. We have so many episodes we're recording. Mondays, Wednesdays, and we're three a week coming up for the next several, several weeks. Uh, so excited. Thank you for listening. And uh, let's jump. We've got a couple ads on the front end here, and then we're going to jump right in with Sandy Gennaro. We absolutely love partnering with Sharpier's Bakery. Aaron Moso has been selling bread, fresh baked bread, to locally owned and operated restaurants six days a week for 36 years. Yes, her father started the company 36 years ago, and Aaron took it over uh, five years ago, and it is doing amazing things. I have so many guests that come in the studio that are like, I love Sharpier's. They save me so much time, and the bread is so good. So we, uh, we've got round buns, specialty round buns, dinner rolls, hoagies, baguettes. They do cheesecake. They do flourless chocolate torts. They do specialty loaf breads and regular loaf breads and bullies. Bullies? B-O-U-L-E-S? Sourdough, long Tuscan, wheat, multigrain. They got everything. You should go check them out at sharpies.com. That is sharpies, C-H-A-R-P-I-E-R-S.com or you should give them a call at 615-356-0872. Supporting local is so damn important. And Aaron Moso and all of our friends over at Sharpie's Bakery do that daily. Give her a call right now. We are super excited to introduce Maintain IQ for restaurants. Maintain IQ is a modern digital checklist system that simplifies your operations. They are designed specifically for restaurants. You can standardize, track, and manage food safety procedures, temp logs, daily checklists, preventative maintenance, and ongoing repairs. He's saying that you can, managers will save up to 10 hours per week. You can repair, you can reduce repairs and maintenance spend by $5,000 a year. Staff will know what to do, how to do it, and when to do it. Everything is digitally recorded. Minimize liability, ensuring safety, cleaning, and compliance standards are upheld. This is the best thing since sliced bread, guys. And we're going to talk about that in just a second with Sharpies. But we are talking about a checklist to do every single thing in your restaurant that's all kept nice and neat in a little app. You need to call Will Jackson. His number is 888-534-0261 and set up a 30-minute demo. If you do that, I'll give you a free Nash Restaurant Radio hat 
or I'll give you a free Nash Restaurant Radio t-shirt. Just send me a message on Instagram. Check out Maintain IQ. Did you know the number one cause of methane or greenhouse gases in landfills is your food waste? Restaurants waste so much food. All the food people don't eat, all of the scraps that come from all of your prep, it all gets put in a dumpster and then gets buried in a landfill and as it decomposes, creates methane gas. Well, thank God Jeffrey Ezel and his brother Clay have come up with the compost company. You can now compost your food waste. They take it to their farm. They create organic soil out of it. They then sell that to Whole Foods as well as local farmers and landscapers. So it's literally coming full circle in your community. If you're a restaurant owner or manager, you need to be calling Jeffrey Ezel at 615-866-8152 and they will set you up with the green bags and the green trash cans that they will come empty twice a week. If you work in a restaurant and you would love to have this option, instead of putting food into a trash can, you can start composting. Tell your manager to call Jeffrey Ezel. That's 615-866-8152 or follow him at The Compost Company on Instagram. Super excited today to welcome in Sandy Gennaro into Nashville Restaurant Radio. How you doing today, Sandy? I'm doing fine, Brandon. How you doing today? Hey, you know, on this beautiful morning, it's not raining. It's, it's kind of a nice day today. It is a very nice day. I think it's uh, like around 78 at the moment. Hell yeah. And it's, it's, it's just good to have you here. Now, I've had your wife in studio. Mm-hmm. We had Sherry in here, and she was amazing. She had a great time. Thank you for allowing her to come in. And, oh, and- man. <laughs> She's her own person, She's believe like, me. She her makes her shit. own decisions, <laughs> believe me. Yeah, so, she's awesome. So I met you at Maribel. Yes. Where we, um, you were friends with our owner, Stephen, and we had an all-employee meeting where we had the entire staff in, and you came in to speak to the staff. Uh, you do some speaking engagements for a group called Vistage. Correct. And Stephen's a member of Vistage. And so he knew you and asked you to come in, and you said yes. Mm-hmm. And man, what an amazing story you have. It was challenging. It was challenging to try to whittle it down to 30 minutes. But uh, it was great. And, and you know, the whole idea of what Stephen and you do for your staff, um, it just speaks to how awesome your staff is. And that's part of what I speak about in my presentation is uh, passionate leadership, service leadership. Yes. And that goes for rock stars as well as restaurant owners and general managers. So let's let everybody in because you said rock stars. We're like, who, the, who is Sandy Gennaro? Do we know who Sandy Gennaro is? You are a, you are a bona fide rock star. Uh, Did you say that? I, I don't. That. I don't wear that hat. I mean, I've been. I've been referred to as that, and I guess by definition, you could say yes that I am. I mean, but you I were don't. The drummer for Joan Jett. I know, but I don't wear That's that. As hat. rock and roll as it gets, right? I know it is. <laughs> it is. It was awesome. So you were the drummer for Joan Jett, but first you were with the Pat Travers. Well, for, if you want to go chronologically, at first my first pro gig was a band called Blackjack, which included Michael Bolton as the singer. Uh, this Michael would be Bolton. Mike, Michael, yeah his his name originally was Michael Bolotin, B O L O T I N. Uh, and then when he when he went solo afterwards, he changed his name to Bolton when he went solo. But this is before he would, became a star. He was in a band called Blackjack with me, Bruce Kulick, who went on to play with Kiss for 10 years when they took the makeup off. Now he plays with Grand Funk Railroad. And Jimmy Haslip was the bass player who played, who was the musical director for the Yellow Jackets, which was like a jazz rock band, won a Grammy. So we all are still... 
still involved in the music business and still doing well. And then after that was the Pat Travers Band. And then after that was Cindy Lauper. And then after that was a band called Kraft, a German band. Uh, I did their record and then I did the subsequent tour in support of Queen for three months in Europe, 1986, summer of 86. You toured with Queen? To, oh, you opened for Queen? We Is opened we- for Queen for three and a half months in Europe, uh, summer of 86. It was one of the most unbelievable tours that I ever did, even though I was involved in just the opening act, who you probably never heard of and probably will never hear of. But, that, but you're part of the whole experience. The whole experience, playing to 110,000 people, selling out soccer stadiums, 50,000. It was just playing those antique amphitheaters in Europe. Uh, the venues were awesome. Um, and it was the last tour Freddie Mercury ever did. And what do you feel like before you do a show? 100,000 people. Before you do that, do you do you have like a pre-show ritual? Like. Do you get butterflies? Do you get scared? Are you I, like a human being? Like, what you know what? Goes I, on there? I get, I get a different feeling inside before I go on, but it's not scared. It's, it's the feeling you get when you see the Christmas presents beneath the Christmas tree at five in the morning before your parents get up yeah. on Christmas morning, and it's an ant- positive anticipation. It's like. It's not like going to the principal's office in school. It's like Christmas morning. And that's the, it's a positive anticipation. Like, you can't wait to get out there. I, I feel that way. Uh, some shifts that you work, like we have Thanksgiving shift. You mentioned the holidays. Like, before a Thanksgiving shift, we're going to do 1,000 people, which I imagine is what people who work downtown feel like every single day. Right. But, like, it's, it's fun. It's exciting. You're it's like, very exciting. And and it's and, and I'm so it, you know it reinforces in me a sense of appreciation of me given that opportunity to play drums, which is something I've been doing since I'm 14. Play drums in front of an audience and get paid well to do it, you know, and yeah. and be clapped for and and people cheering your name and all of that. I mean, that's the payback. That's what's there not to like about about that, you know? I, I, nothing. I mean, just being of that lifestyle and everything. I want to. I'm so all over the place right now because there's okay. a million questions I have. Yeah, I don't know where to begin. So let's begin. And, and I will, I'm going to go back even further. We were talking just kind of to get started here, chit chat. And I said, uh, I love Howard Stern. He's one of my favorites. I went, hey now, hey now, hey now, hey now. Hello. And I said, oh man, I love Howard. He's kind of my inspiration. I love what he does. And then you said you've been on the show. Well, I'm not as a guest, but, but you've. I, I was on the Howard Stern show because Mark Farner of Grand Funk Railroad was, uh, we were all part of a fan, rock and roll fantasy camp in New York City. And Mark Farner, being in New York, uh, was asked to make an appearance on Howard Stern. So he wanted to play I'm Your Captain, which is one of the, his famous songs. So he was the writer and singer of Grand Funk Railroad yeah. originally. So he asked me, Mark Farner, hey, you know, we, we, he was assembled a band with Bruce Kulick, Kip Winger, Teddy Andriotis, all these, all these kind of famous sidemen. And uh, we supported Mark Farner playing I'm Your Captain on, on Howard Stern. But we all had an opportunity to pose for a selfie with Howard. And he was totally cool. He was awesome. And I used to listen to him in New York when he was on regular radio, you know, before Sirius. He's he's like that one, you know, my dad is like Paul McCartney. If there's somebody I could meet that I'm just like, I just, he would hate meeting me because he hates meeting people. He's just like, just leave me alone. But uh, I would, he's one of those people that I would, I would definitely walk up to. I wouldn't walk up to him in a restaurant because I know he hates that, but I, that's me. You're a fan. I'm a fan. Like now I'm impressed. 
Like Cindy Lauper, Joan <laughs> Jett. Okay, but you were on funny. Stern Show. I'm impressed now. Okay? And I'll send you a picture. I'll email you a picture of me and Howie. <laughs> That's amazing. So you you are an author now, um, drummer, author, and we're going to get into some of your teaching and all that stuff as mm-hmm. we go along here. You have a book. It's called Beat the Odds. I'm holding it up right here if you're watching this on YouTube. It's called Beat the Odds in Business and Life by Sandy Gennaro. And man, this is a, this is a fantastic book. The stories uh, are, are really, really good, and it's motivational, and I love the whole acronym BEATS and everything it stands for, and Dave in the Doorway. I mean, this there's so many amazing small things, and I found a lot of it correlated to my life in recognizing there was one moment in my life, my rock bottom moment, the, the day that I decided to change my life was a big, a big rainbow. There was a rainbow that happened at this pinnacle moment in my life where I thought that everybody in the world hated me, nothing was good, and at this very moment, I realized everything in my life's going to change, and I looked up in that moment, and there was a gigantic rainbow. God wink. And, and if you've ever had a spiritual experience in your life, and I went, if God has ever spoken to me, this is the moment right now, and I had to listen. There's no, there's no part of me. I was 100% enveloped by this moment in my life, and I went, how many moments in my life have I missed because I wasn't listening? Or when open, your eyes open. My eyes were closed, but I wasn't listening when, when God, my God was talking to me. Like, how did, I, how did I miss? How many moments in my life have I missed? I'm 40 years old. What the hell? And you call this when, when the first dominoes start to fall, but... Let's go back to let's just let's tell your story. Well, uh, what you just said, Brandon, was I call a God wink, you know, uh, because there's a little bit of God, and what, regardless of what terminology you use, it could be the yeah. universe, your higher okay. self, your, your a power greater than ourselves at work. But we all we all have a little bit of God inside of us, which is our soul, which makes us human beings different than. Uh, different than a dog or a flower or something. And um, that's the common denominator. And I, I, I think that a lot of the human beings, because we were given free will and the power of choice, we, we, we shut out those opportunities. We get the the signs from above, but we, we don't, we're not listening. It's all about us, you know, but when you think outside yourself in a sense of altruism and empathy for other people, um, you know, God, and I said, I, ca- I call it a God wink when God sends you little signs. He sent you the rainbow and that feeling in your heart because you had the choice of whether ignore that or pay attention to it. And that's where free will and the power of choice comes. And if, and if you're aware of that power within you and you treat people the right way, uh, given that the common denominator is everybody has a soul from, from a, a CEO of, of a billion dollar company to somebody who empties the wastebaskets at that company and everybody in between. Yeah. And your perception of things that happen to you in your life, positive or negative, that's what the universe takes care of people like that and shows you showed you a way when you saw the rainbow and I, you don't have to go into detail about what changed about your life but obviously something did because I, st- you- I stopped drinking there you go that was the moment i i did i haven't had i've had not one sip of alcohol since that day congratulations how long ago was that <sighs> longer than two and a half years it was o- october the 30th that day was my Sober date is October 28th, but the that day was October the 30th of 2019. 
So it was two days after you actually stopped stopped taking alcohol into yeah. your body, and uh, that was the God saying you're doing the right thing. That was the the pat on the back, Brandon. Yeah. That you, that you're on the right path. And my life is full of circumstances like that. That was a turning point in your life. My life, I, when I look back on it, which is one of the reasons why I wrote this book and is one of the reasons why I'm speaking about it, is because upon examination of somebody, somebody simple like me with not a lot of, not a tremendous amount of technical ability on the drums, uh, it goes beyond technical, technical ability about what you do. It's about how you think and what you believe. My life has been a series of those moments where you look back and you say, how the hell did that happen? And then upon examination of the steps that led up to that event, you realize that it's like, oh, because of a relationship. It's because you did somebody a favor with, without anything in return, with no agenda, when nobody's watching. You do people a favor. You reach out to people. You advance people. You, you uh, make them fortunate for having crossed your path. And when that happens, the universe, you let, you know, the, the expression is let go and let God. Well, after you act a certain way towards other people, the universe takes over and God puts the opportunities and the people and the solutions in your path that you had no idea ever existed. There's a very similar principle in AA. Just in the idea that I can't control everything and that you give everything away to this higher power and then you, you, you kind of just pray to your higher power and say, put me in the right place and let me do the next right thing. Right. Right, do the next right thing. To it's be not, inspired to do it. Yeah, and I love kind of in the, the introduction and the opening of your book, you talk about the power of positive thinking, that every day you can wake up and think, you know, it's not just glasses half full, glasses half empty, but everything that you do in a day. And one of my things is I was reading that and I went, I'm a Monday guy. I love Mondays. I get so excited for Mondays. Like, what the hell is your problem? And why, why are you this way on Mondays? I'm like, I have the entire week to accomplish so many things. Like, I, it's such an amazing beginning. I have all of these things I need to get done. And Monday's like, I have five days before it gets the weekend to, to do all these things. Right. It's not a I'm racing to get to Friday. It's like I get to in, I get to have this whole week to really accomplish a lot of shit. And it motivates me, it charges me, and where everybody else is like, "Oh, it's Monday." I'm like, "It's Monday." And right. it's just a matter of how you think. Right. Right? And you could you could have that theory about any, you know, I wake up in the morning and I say, "Well, thank you God, I have another day." another day another 24 hours to do what i want to do and you know accomplish what i want to accomplish and you know you could say that about another year on new year's eve you can say that about another hour i thank you for you know another minute it's whatever just, it's a sense of appreciation for what you have as opposed to concentrating on what you don't have amen right there gratitude and, and gratitude because psychologists say and my co-writer of the book, Steve Olivas, is a psychologist, and he told me that um, if you have a sense of appreciation, if you wake up in the morning, and the first thing you do in that little twilight is thank goodness, thank God for the people and the things that you have been given, it's impossible to be depressed. You start out with a positive glass half full attitude, and that's what carries you through the day. It's impossible to have a sense of appreciation and be depressed at the same time because appreciation is like light. Yeah. And depression is darkness, and you can't have darkness where there's light. I, 
<laughs> that, that was powerful right there what you just said i'm telling you that's that's you know and and it's only when i started speaking i'm thinking well okay well how did i get to this point in my life how did i get to play with certain artists like joan jett or cindy lauper the monkeys or bo diddley or whatever with not a lot of tremendous amount of drumming talent oh stop come on no nobody in my family is musically inclined i didn't at the beginning of my career i didn't have any uh you know stringent musical training or drum lessons at the beginning of my career. I just copied Led Zeppelin and Beatle records and, <laughs> and Rolling Stones records. So how did somebody with limited ability get to where I was, get to where I am um, 50, 56 years in the music business? And it's basically upon examination of my life, I realized that all the major gigs that I've gotten has been... A, directly or indirectly as a result of me helping somebody or a relationship. And I've come to learn that the quality of any rock band, the success of any rock band or any company for that matter is based on, and you know this from being the general manager of Mere Bulls, is that a very successful, awesome restaurant here in Nashville, by the way, in Franklin. Was it Franklin or Brentwood? We're in Brentwood. Okay, it's it's an awesome place to eat. If you have a, if you're hungry, go there. It's awesome. Um, but the quality of of the the quality of any band or restaurant, or I should say, the success of any band or company, is directly related to the quality of the relationships within that company or band. It's not about resume. It's not about because you know all about culture. In, in your team in, at Mirabels, right? Culture is everything, and culture equals relationships. Culture is not resume. Culture is not what college you graduated from. Nope. It's not any of that. It's about relationships, and it's about the leadership of a band or a company um, caring about the people, their team, the people that produce the numbers. It's not all about the numbers. It's about the people that produce the numbers and leadership's caring, having a passionate leadership a vibe about their, their team. When did you learn that? When, where, where was the example that was really shining for you that it was about culture and it was about people and relationships well you know what it's i didn't realize it along the way again when i started formulating my speaking uh my speaking presentation and the book and stuff i re i i, I did some self-examination and i've come to that conclusion that uh and then you look at different companies and the success of linkedin for example and how and how linkedin you know grew with the with the advent of a new ceo that walked in and met with every single employee and whatever um it's not something that i discovered along the way it's this i discovered it in retrospect when i examined my own life and the climb up the the uh, you know music business ladder if you will sure uh, that's how, that's how, you know, it was upon examination of my own life in retrospect. It wasn't during the process, believe me. I just, I just was my way. And again, you said about the rock star thing. I never put the rock star hat on. I'm always Sandy and I'm Sandy, whether I'm playing in front of 110,000 people or I'm at the Kroger with somebody checking my groceries. I'm having a conversation with the person that's checking, you know, whatever. It's like every person you come in contact, with. every person it's about I, kindness even comes down to a smile to someone passing you in the aisle of a supermarket with a little kid in the carriage. You smile. You know, it's just a, a, a moment of levity. It's and the universe smiles upon that 
vibe. So that's where I really correlate what you're talking about to the restaurant industry. Because there's a, there's a part in your book where you say, just saying good morning to somebody, just in a genuine smile saying good morning to somebody resonates with that person. That person, I say this all the time. I say, listen, you have no idea where people are coming from, right? We're standing in a restaurant. You're standing at the front door as a host or a greeter or maitre d'. And this person walks in the restaurant. You have no clue where their mindset is. They could have just put their dog down. They could have just got a divorce. They could have just won the lottery. They could. You have no clue. It could just be a regular day to them. Right. But a smile, a show of genuine care and service to somebody can change. You don't know if somebody's right on the, the next bad look they get from somebody. They're going to go end their own life. Right. So one smile, one, hi, how you doing? It happened to me that day I walked into my first meeting. That same day I saw that rainbow. When I thought every single person in the world hated me, everybody, I didn't think there was one person on this planet that gave a shit about me. And I walked in that door and dude gave me a hug. He said, I, I got the pamphlets and I sat in the back room and a guy goes, Hey man, you new here? And I said, yeah. And he said, welcome. And he gave me a hug and I was like, Oh, oh my God. Like somebody cares. Apparently this guy doesn't hate me. He must not know me. And then he was like, no, we're all, we're all people. We get it, man. We're all, we've all made mistakes. Welcome to the group. Let's help you get better. And I was just like, holy shit. It was that one guy, that one moment that completely turned my like life with the, the rainbow and the whole thing. But like it was start, it, that one, that rainbow, that believing in that rainbow got me to that meeting that got me to meet that. That was the dominoes for me. Right. That just started. And it right. was like, wow. You know, and it, and the, what you said about you have no idea when somebody walks in the restaurant, you have no, no. idea what the, what has gone on in their life in that day or whatever, or you know if they seem like they're really arrogant. You don't know why, and that goes to you know a, a leader in a company where somebody is not doing their job correctly, as opposed to going over and reprimanding. You're not doing this right. You're not. Hey, uh, and I've had art, I've had artists tell me this. Hey, Sandy, if you didn't have this gig, yeah, uh, you you would you wouldn't do anything. You, you know, drummers are a dime a dozen. This is this is a boss. A boss is different than a leader. But the point I was trying to bring out, when somebody is pushing back or somebody is not doing their job correctly, if you ask questions, you know, as opposed to a leader reprimanding or a boss reprimanding, you're not blah, 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 yelling, if you don't do this or else or whatever, you find out, hey, is there, you know, ask questions. Like uh, Ted Lasso said, you know, don't be judgmental. Be curious. And when you're curious, you ask questions. And when you ask questions, the recipient of that question automatically thinks you care. Yeah. So you go over to the person and go, hey, man, um, you know, the job is not being done. They're not producing the numbers or whatever. Have lunch with the person and ask them about life. Ask them about, hey, how's your family doing or whatever. And in those conversations, because you, you're asking questions, they, they automatically, A, think you care. And B, sometimes something will come out in that conversation that has nothing to do with the job, but that is affecting their job. I had a guitar player once in Bo Diddley's band where his, 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 he, he wasn't performing like he was at the beginning. His performance was going, level was going down. He was making little mistakes. And I brought him to lunch as the musical director. I brought him to lunch one day, and I discovered in that conversation that his wife just was diagnosed with, uh, with breast cancer. And I said, why don't you go home and take 
take care of it. And no, no, I need the job. I need the job. Okay, well, I'll talk to Bo about a severance, some sort of severance pay or whatever. And your your gig will be here when you come back. But go home and take care of your wife and get all of that settled. So the point is, is that a lot of times it's not the job itself. It's not that the person... You know, there's other reasons. Like you said, you don't know what goes on in a person's life unless you ask questions, period. Uh, I completely agree. And I love, I'm going to I'm gonna go reference the book for a second because I want to get into the story. You talked about ego. You talked about bosses. And you wouldn't be anybody if you weren't that. I think in our industry, in the restaurant industry, we have a lot of, there's a lot of bad bosses. I think it's it's been the topic of a lot of news conversations. Why is why where are the workers? Why are nobody in the restaurant industry? And I think that a lot of workers are fed up. They're fed up with poor leadership and people that you know have these egos. I'm a restaurant manager. You do what I say, and it's like, man, you don't have to be that way. And I, for you, that moment happened. You were playing with the Pat Travers band. You're playing it for these sold out arenas, and you're at a show. I think you were in uh, Connecticut. You're in Connecticut. And I'm going to paint the picture and let you tell the story. Okay. The end of the show happens, and you're in the dressing room, and they said, "Hey guys, the, the tour manager says, guys, I need you to get it together, get it together. We got to go, we got to go." And everybody's kind of like, "Woo, it's killer show, sold out arena. Let's go!" And and so everybody's kind of packing up their stuff to leave, and you see this guy standing in the doorway, kind of watching you, and you're like, "Oh God, who is this?" Clearly, there's a fan there that you've. Wants an autograph, you get, but you, but they've already told you, dude, you gotta get on the bus, you gotta hustle. So you, you kind of relay it out. You go, and you have the three options. What are your three options there? What can well, you do? Well, the three Sandy? options are, uh, the three options are, I could have put the the arrogant rock star hat on, and just completely blew by him. You know, the guy was standing in the doorway with a pen and a camera, and I was in a tremendous <laughs> hurry, and everybody else was on the bus including the guy, Pat Travers, who was already on the bus. And so this guy is there to see the drummer. You know what I mean? And I'm going, and I always had a sense of uh, amusement uh, about the value that certain people had about an autograph. Like, hey, they value somebody's signature on it. And when I was 15, I used to walk around the mall in Staten Island with my mother, and she used to say, Aside from the fact that I was dressing the part, I was dressing like you know Led Zeppelin. I was dressed, I was dressing like a rock star before whatever. And she used to go. My mother goes, "Hey, Sandy, why are you carrying that pen around?" And I go, "Well, Ma, in case anybody asks for my autograph." So I was like living, I was living my life at 15 years old as if I was a big you know whatever. So anyway. He, uh, he's got a pen and a camera and I'm rushing around and I, I could have, the first choice was the blow by him, the arrogant rock star. The second choice was the, the friendly rock star in a hurry. I'm really busy. I'm really busy. I'm really sorry. I appreciate you being, I got to go. The third choice was I put the Sandy Gennaro hat on, which is I always wear 24 seven, no matter what. And I said, what can I do for you, buddy? He goes, oh man, can I have your autograph? I go, what's your name? He said, Dave. So I signed it. I go, okay, buddy, I got to go. He goes, well, would you take a picture with me? And he takes the camera out, takes a selfie, the Kodak Instamatic camera with the flash cube on top. 1981 this was. And I said, okay, there's your picture. You got your autograph, Dave. Thank you very much. Oh, Sandy, would you help me out getting a gig? He was a bass player in Connecticut. This was, I think, Hartford. 
would you help me get a gig in New York City? I said, well, Dave, I can't help you get a gig unless I hear you play. So here's sure. my here's my card, my home address, my home phone number. Send me a cassette of your playing, and I'll be happy. Once I hear you play, I'll recommend you to the appropriate places. And he couldn't believe I was giving him, hey, Sandy's giving me his home number. He's like talking to a third person in the room. Hey, I can't believe you're giving me a home number. I said, "Don't, no big deal, Dave. Just send me a cassette. I got to go. I'm being hollered at by my own leave, man. I got to go, man. So, uh, so anyway, I left. He gave me a big hug. Very appreciative. Long story short, three years later, he called me and he said, hey, nothing happened. He sent me a cassette. Nothing happened with it. Three years later, he calls me and he says, hey, Sandy, um, I'm managing this girl now. She's going to be the biggest thing in 1984. We're doing our record uh, in New York City. I want you to come down and I want you to be in her band. I said, Dave, I can't join a baby band. Um, I'm, I'm coming off an arena tour. And, and, you know, with all due respect, everybody's new project is going to be the next big. Sandy, you don't understand. I don't want you to miss this opportunity. You were so nice to me in the doorway. Your personality, your playing style would fit perfect with her. I want you to be in her band. I don't want you to miss this. Come down to the studio and meet her at least. So I went down to the studio and happened to be Cindy Lauper doing her first record uh, in New York City. And uh, so that's started my association with Cindy Lauper. As soon as I walked in the room, uh, I said to myself, seeing Cindy, I said, people are going to notice this woman, whether they hate her or, <laughs> or love was her. She just, was, did she, was she just electric? She you was totally electric. like... I, I, you know, right? hair, hair was shaved on one side. The, the, it was poofed out orange on the other side. She had the squeezy voice like this. And I'm going, man, this, this is, I never seen anything. Like this, <laughs> this dropped out of the sky or something. It was, it was unbelievable. I said, you know, I, I'm going to, and then she played me some of the, the, the songs that they were working on. Girls just want to have fun and, and she bop and all of that. So, I ended up doing the tour, and the bottom line is, yes, all right, that was another being nice to somebody in the doorway led to a gig, but how did it change your life? Because this is the this is the moment that changed my life, is because on that Cindy Lauper tour, I met Sherry, and we started dating, and we saw each other. This was in November of 1984. Uh, we saw each other long distance for eight, the rest of 84 into 85. A year later, she moved up to New York from Charlotte, North Carolina, and um, we started living together in 1990. We had we got married in 1994. We had our daughter, Jerry, and we're still together 36 years later because I gave somebody five minutes in the doorway to sign an autograph. This is how reaching out and thinking outside yourself without anything in return. Now, some the universe led Dave, Dave Wolf, his name is, Dave, to, the, to that certain gig that let that somebody... The universe inspired Dave to go to that concert, that Pat Travis concert at the Hartford Civic Center or whatever. And he, somebody inspired, the universe inspired Dave to make his way backstage with no credentials at all. He had no laminate or whatever. So the universe works in very, very strange ways, not only to inspire you to do certain things to increase your, you know, uh, uh, to, to go towards your goals, but the universe also inspires other people to come to your path in order to elevate you. I completely agree. I'm still stuck on 30, 45 seconds ago when you said Dave in the hallway led you to Cindy Lauper and it uh, eventually led you to Joan Jett. But you said that Dave in the hallway led you to Sherry. Right. And 
most people in this world would look at the big break of playing with Cindy Lauper, but you look at it as that's the the thing that led me to meet my soulmate. And I am so <laughs> impressed that that is the thing that that you went there because well, everybody would go. It led me to, and I say that my rainbow experience led me to a renaissance with my wife. But like this whole, I don't. That's just really that's really special. That's well, really cool. I, I mean, what's how can you not think of that? I mean, there's other situations where I helped somebody out and it led to the monkeys gig or, you know, I threw a drumstick to a handicapped person and that led to my speaking career. But the, all of this is like business. What led to, you know, it elevated me in terms of business up the business ladder. But how did, re, you know, having a feel a feeling of empathy and having a feeling of altruism, how did that change your life? I mean, great business-wise, money in the bank, credibility, something, another gig for the resume. But the Cindy Lauper, the Dave in the Doorway, that led, that changed my life because I'm still, you know, Sherry is, is, is she's, she's amazing. What, what, I, don't, I don't know what I would do without her. I mean, she was the rock. She's the rock. She's the, the, the picture of consistency with me with me being in, in the rock and roll business, which is like one big fat roller coaster that never really ends, ups and downs, ups and downs. But she was the calming force. She was the consistent thread through my life, and she's still there. And I, I don't know, I wouldn't be sitting here if I, if I didn't stop in that doorway and sign that autograph. Five minutes changed my life. Five minutes of caring about wanting to provide somebody with a smile on their face change my life you know there's a quote i just my favorite book out there is by a guy named john miller it's called qbq the question behind the question so i love your book too it's really good but the one that i is required reading for everybody who's in leadership in my restaurants are um it's called qbq by john miller and he he phrases calls it qbq service he says do for others what you don't have to do because that's, oh, awesome. that's the key to fantastic service. It's going above and beyond. And you did that in that moment, whether you realize not like that that you did for somebody else what you didn't have to do. Correct. You took a second to go above and beyond because you genuinely cared. And when you genuinely care, good things happen. Correct. You're not just going through the motions. Like you genuinely said, Hey man, what can I do for you? I'm you know who also is a really good drummer who is very, very similar, same mindset? Dave Grohl. You see that book Dave over there? Grohl, yep. Have you ever met him? I have not met him. He's he just that book was one of my favorite books of all time because he's just so everything in his life was just gratitude. One day after one day, he just kept trying and working hard and being kind and gracious. And then one thing led to another. Then he was in Nirvana. And Nirvana was only a band for three and a half years. Did you know that? Wow. No, I didn't know that. That's crazy. The whole Nirvana thing. Three right. and a half years, the whole band. Uh, but it's funny, it's drummers and how he was very just things just started to happen when you do good things. And the and the the key is, Brandon, is that you do good things for others without expecting anything in return. You do it when nobody and there was nobody in that dressing room except me and Dave. And I didn't do it. Well, what is this guy going to do? What is it? You know, whatever. what are you going to do for me? What are you going to do for me? Whatever. I'll sign your autograph or whatever. But you do it when nobody's looking. And you, but you know who is looking. It, and it's not a person. The universe is looking. God is looking. The God energy. I call it an energy. It's not a male, female, and no, no gender involved. It's 
and it has nothing to do with organized religion. It, it can, but it, it really doesn't because your religion is in your heart. So there's another moment in your book that you talk about little subtle God winks. Mm-hmm. You know, going to your, your, your terminology here. Um, you guys got married. You and Sherry got married. And you, hey, are we going to have kids? I don't know if we're going to have kids. What are we going to do? And so, hey, look, let's get married first. And then you got married. And then she she didn't talk about it. And then kind of it came back up in subtle hints. You know, maybe she's subliminally, hey, what do you want for breakfast? Another child. And you were right there. You were thinking about it. And you were going to go diving. Right. With your friend Mars. Correct. Yeah, you did some reading there, Brandon. I'm proud I read the book. Come on now. I i I've I was fascinated. So but you go and you you're gonna go diving outside of Miami. Correct. And tell tell the story. Okay, well, we were thinking about I told my wife when she started bringing up kids again, I said, you know what, let me go diving. I'll chill out a little bit. It's my perfect perfect scenario of relaxation. And um, on the way down to Miami uh, I, I, I prayed and I said, just send me a sign. I'm not sure if right now I'm sure about Sherry. I'm sure about our relationship, but I'm not sure if right this moment of time is the right time to have it. Cause I was touring. Sherry had a full-time job managing the hard rock cafe up the street. We lived in a one bedroom apartment, middle of Manhattan. Life was just awesome. And having a child at that point in time would necessitate me or buying a house, moving and all yeah. of that. Dual income, no kids having a good time. That's correct. Yeah. Right. So I go scuba diving and on the way down, I said, just send me a sign. I just, well, just give me a sign. So anyway, we scuba dive my buddy Mars. It was his boat. Uh, he chose the dive site. He was the dive master. We, uh, we went down and dove a wreck. It was tugboat. a tugboat. It was a tugboat. And he said, you know, I, I know how you are with souvenirs, Sandy. Just pull anything that you can. It's probably all picked over at the moment. But whenever you can grab off, don't don't pick any coral. Don't pick anything alive off. So he was very stringent about the yeah. ecology of diving. So I, I picked off this, um, I, we went diving. I, we, I picked off a, uh, a ring from, uh, it was a porthole ring. And I brought it back up to the service. Now we're on back on the boat, and I'm videotaping Mars, uh, describing what I took off the boat. And he's describing this metal. It's, it's, it's about maybe like a brass ring. A brass ring. It was maybe twelve inches in diameter or whatever. But the long story short, I said, "What was the name of the boat that we took that I that we just dove?" He goes, and he looked in his dive log. And he looked up the the location and the the name of the the vessel, and it was called. We're going to get the name of that vessel right after these words from our sponsors. You know, what chefs want, some people still call it creation gardens, but what chefs want has been, was our first advertiser on the show. Uh, Monty Crawford saw what we we're doing. He goes, I want to be part of it, dude. I love it. And I just, I love that. They're so perfect because they work with locally owned and operated restaurants better than anyone. And let me tell you how they do it. No minimums, no fees, no fuel surcharges, no surcharges anytime. They deliver seven days a week. They have 24-7 customer support. You can call, text, chat, email anytime from anywhere. Or you can reach them at 502-587-9012. They have a diverse line of products. Their chefs have access to thousands of items across many different categories that allow them to receive fresh product daily. What chefs want is the perfect addition to any broadline company as they've got all of your fresh produce delivered daily, plus custom meats, anything that you need that your broadliner can't 
get. Give them a call, 800-685-10, or visit them at whatchefswant.com. I think one of the most overlooked things that you can do on a P&L, which is your profit and loss statement, is dish machine and chemicals. It's just one of those things you don't focus on until it's too late. Let Jason Ellis from Supersource come in and do an audit of what you're currently doing and why you're doing it. His number is 771-337-1143. We believe here at Nash Restaurant Radio that every single thing that you do should be done intentionally in a restaurant and allowing some company to come in and just fix your dish machine without you knowing what's really happening is exactly what we're talking about. The thing Jason does the best is he can help educate you on exactly what's going on with all of your dish machines and chemicals. He can do staff trainings to understand why you're using what you're using, again, to be intentional. They don't make you sign any type of contract. They are week to week and can get you a brand new dish machine with three free months of dish machine rental. You need to check them out. Go to NashvilleRestaurantRadio.com, click the Sponsors tab, and then you will see super source. Click that tab for a special or give Jason Ellis a call at 770-337-1143. And now back to the interview with Sandy Gennaro. But the long story short, I said, what was the name of the boat that we took that I, that we just dove? He goes, and he looked in his dive log and he looked up the, the location and the, the name of the, the vessel. And it was called, it was a Mexican tugboat called the Concepcion, which is Conception. The conception. The conception in Spanish. And I, I, I almost, I don't know if I can say the S-H-I-T Say whatever word, you want. Man, say whatever you want. I almost shit my pants in my wetsuit. <laughs> I almost shit my wetsuit because I'm going, well, wait a minute. So anyway, I went, we went back home. I went back home and I told my wife the story and, you know, we immediately jumped in the sack. <laughs> let's go. Let's go. I think it's, it's, it's cool. We got the green light or whatever. So that was the sign that. I was on the right path that right then and, and uh, about maybe 10, 12 months later, our daughter was born, uh, Jerry. Wow. Oh, and again, because you trusted and you believed and there was that God wink that said, hey, look, I'm praying about this. Give me a sign. And then all of a sudden you're there diving and you're, you're, you're thinking about it. You're in your quiet place. I'm just doing this thing. And then mm-hmm. what's the boat called? The Conception. The Conception. And I, sometimes I think, well, I'm glad the boat wasn't called the contraception. (laughs) (laughs) But that's it. That's it. And, you know, another little tiny little element of that is that on the way down, we're praying for a sign. I visualized myself on the plane on the way back. I visualized the future and I visualized myself having a glass of wine with the 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 solution in my that I have gotten a sign. In other words, you you visualize visualization is very important too as well, visualizing the successful outcome of a, something that hasn't happened yet. And that that is that is a very important aspect of my life too. I always anticipate a positive um, and again, it's I like, like I bring I bring up the the analogy of Christmas morning. When you get up five in the morning, you see the the presents all wrapped up. You don't know what's inside those presents, but you know it's going to be good. And that's the way I look at the future. It's a positive anticipation, a positive visualization of 
on a result of a, a situation that hasn't happened yet. You can, again, we have choices. We can always, we can think of a negative outcome. Oh, what is the, oh, I hope that this doesn't happen. Like a woe is me, Debbie Downer kind of vibe. Or you can look at it, well, it's going to happen. It's going to be great. Let's, you know, and it may not turn out great, but be, when problems happen to people, they happen to teach us something. They do. Well, that's, I, I like this quote that you said, but your mom used to say, if you want to learn how to swim, jump into the deep end of the pool, you'll learn to swim <laughs> right. real fast. Right. You know, you don't want to drown, you got to do that. I think that so many people, and there's a book we're doing, I'm doing a book club, Brandon's book club this month, we're doing a book called The Comfort Crisis. Maybe we do your book. Oh, I hope so. It'd be fun. And I'll come and do a reading for it. For yeah, the book it'd be fun. We're doing, so we're doing a book called The Comfort Crisis, but it basically says is get outside of your comfort zone. We're also predisposed to 72 degrees in our entire life. Like, go out there and sweat. Know what it's like to be. And I think that every day you have to try new things. You have to get outside your comfort zone. And I, I'm most comfortable outside of my comfort zone. Is that weird? Yeah. No, it's not weird. At I all. love change. I love crazy shit. I love it. Whatever it is, like, that sounds difficult and hard. Like, you didn't, you weren't born knowing how to lay roof. I mean, you know, you, you, nobody knows how to do it. You have to learn it. You have to fail. You have to go out there and try new things and see what happens. And then you learn from it. It's all about growth. But if you look at that as a, oh, I'm just going to fail. I'm not good at anything versus, no, I can't wait to fail so that I can learn what not to do. Correct. I have I, a, I, I just built a smoking pit at my house. It's a, it's a huge four by seven, five by seven foot, 95 cinder blocks. It's a monster, right? This thing is a gigantic pit. Well, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. I don't I don't know how to do it. But a couple weeks ago I bought a bunch of wood, a bunch of charcoal, and a bunch of meat. And used YouTube videos. <laughs> well, I, I used Pat Martin's book, Life of Fire, which was great. But like I just started doing this stuff and I was like, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm gonna test this thing. And I did it wasn't bad. But it was a twelve hour day of hauling wood and a fire and a hundred degree day and the whole thing. But it's like Am I, was it fun? Did I learn a ton? Yes. I bet you how gratifying was it oh. going out after it was all done and just, you know, lighting up a cigar and, and looking at what you just did, the accomplishment that you just did, where 12 hours earlier you had no clue. Of what no clue. Well, I think the eating of the ribs and the brisket, like just taking a taking some tongs and grabbing a bone from the ribs and just pulling the bone oh. out, just oh. falling right out, not even having to just, just, just fall through like, Oh, this is going to be good. Like <laughs> right. having the family over, because I had all this food, two racks of ribs, a full pork butt and brisket. And I was like, guys, we got food for days. Let's go. But next time I do it, I'm going to get better. I'm going right. to constantly keep trying. You, you brought up a very good, the word of adaptability. I mean, it being someone in the music business and touring and recording, you have to, if you don't have a sense of adaptability, you're done. Just, just don't even bother picking up an instrument because a musician has to deal with adapting to change every single day on tour, for example. All the time. All the time. Um, so, yeah, adaptability. And, and you mentioned also something uh, that reminded me of a quote that Thomas Edison said when he was inventing the light bulb. He said, I never made a mistake inventing the light bulb. I've only learned 10,000 ways how not to do it. There you go. That's so, a good way to, you know, like it's, 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 you know, problems are growth. You know, there's, you know, failure is, I, I equate failure with school. 
Yeah, 100%. You know, okay, I failed. How can I do it different? You figure out a different way to do it. You're successful at that different way. And all of a sudden, your self-esteem builds up because you solved an issue. Now you learn how to do something where you didn't know how to do it a week before or an hour before or a minute before. I, I contend the most successful people in the world aren't successful because of all of their victories. I think they're most successful because of their failures. Bingo. And that's Bingo. a weird way to look at it, isn't it? I mean, popular to contrary, what you see on social media is, oh, these people are great. But like, you didn't see the 10 times they failed. That's correct. To get there. That's correct. You don't know what goes on behind closed doors. You see the final result. You know, when you see Aaron Judge hitting homer after homer after homer after homer, but you have no idea how much time he spends in a cage with coaches, you know. Baseball's my favorite analogy. The uh, Hall of Famers fail seven of ten times. Right. At the plate. Right. Hall of Famers. Hall of Famers. If you bat 300 for your career, you're a Hall of Famer. And batting 300 is getting a hit three out of ten times. Did you fail seven of ten times, Hall of Famer. Think about like we've had a uh, I've had the the mental skills coach for the Phillies on the show. Oh, her name. Uh, oh, her name. Uh, uh, was that Rod Thurley's Rod's daughter? Daughter. Uh, yeah, I would say Rod's daughter. Uh, she's I, been on, I forget. Oh, she's God. not on the Phillies anymore. And I think she's no. She's Texas Rangers. The now. Rangers. I'm now. in touch with Rod about about yeah. her. I'm actually going to a Ranger game in September in Arlington against my Angels. I'm gonna have to look her up. See if we can. Oh, that would be awesome. I forget her. I'm sorry I forget her name. I'm going to find out her name because she was been on the show. She was amazing. I can't think of right now. I don't have it right now. Sports psychologist. And she'll tell you how important visualization is and a positive attitude is when you're at bat trying to face a 100-mile, hit a round ball with a round bat coming at you at 100 miles an hour. Her episode was so fascinating because she just talked about players in a rut and like what you do and how you get out of it and how you get out of your own head. Mm-hmm. Your own head it's is your the own thing head. that stops you from doing everything. Exactly. You're with you 100% of the day, and I, I get in my own head all the time, but you go, hey, look, nobody gives a shit. N- nobody, nobody, nobody thinks what you're thinking right now. Right. It's okay. Right. Just move on with your life. <laughs> right. Stop it. I, mean, I could sit and go, I can't believe I said that in the interview. I told that story about the da-da-da. Fuck it. Let's go. Yeah, it's I, gone. I, I, it's I'm gone. I'm not worried about it. This right. is the thing. That it's me, and I got to get used to just being me, right? Absolutely. All right. So you have an acronym. The book is called Beat the Odds, and your acronym is BEATS. Correct. Is it BEATS plural? BEATS plural. BEATS Man, this, plural. The S is the one of the most important attributes of that acronym. Service. Correct. Right. So it's belief, mm-hmm. enthusiasm attitude tenacity and service so do you want we have we're, we're 45 minutes in do you want to go over each one of these letters give kind of a brief how do you want what's, what's the most important one you want to talk well, about I, service in my, you, it, where it, do you want to go from here okay it's a five letter acronym and i think the at the at the top of the pyramid is the middle letter which is a i think the most important parts of that acronym attributes of that acronym is belief Belief in a higher power, belief in yourself, and belief in a power greater than ourselves as a, at, at work. The other, and the enthusiasm, the E, comes as a result of your belief. Your attitude is very important. It's how you think and your attitude towards people and the attitude towards events that happen in your life and that happen in the world. That's a very important building block. And service. 
So you have belief, attitude, and service to others. That's what we've been talking about, uh, uh, going through your life with a, an attitude and a spirit of uh, altruism, thinking outside yourself. How can I make someone's life better? How can I put a, a smile on somebody's face? So very simply put, it's belief, attitude, and service, and then the enthusiasm comes as a result of your belief, your attitude and service, and your tenacity comes as a result because you're tenacious in your effort, you have a passion because of your belief. You have a passion because you know, you think positive and you know a positive thing is gonna happen if you think in the right way and you treat people in the right way. And I'm sitting here as a prime example of how true that situation is, is, is as a result of how you treat people and how you, you, your perception of events that happen to you. That's your attitude, thoughts, you control your thoughts. You, you mentioned before that we have thousands of thoughts that come in our brain from the, a good place and a, and a negative place every day. And it's our choice. It's our, our control of our thoughts that come into and what we allow to sink in, what we pay attention to matters because we, we have to be kind of like a thought police, like a, like an overseer of, you know, at the gated entry of your mind, you filter the thoughts and you allow thoughts to be entertained. The ones that you choose to entertain. Wow. Yeah. It's, uh, it's uh, because thoughts are like seeds and you put a, a, a thought, a fertile a seed in fertile soil and you give it water and you give it sunlight, it's going to grow. It's, it's, a, it's a, a, a law of nature. Yeah. You know, and, and so if the, the thoughts that you think about more often because and, and constantly, especially in the relaxed state, your mind is relaxing. I'm not going to get into meditation. And we can and, get it. I was just about to ask. I was say, do you meditate? Well, I, 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 uh, I have this uh, this app on my. I don't do it as often as I should, and I definitely don't do it daily. But I do have moments during the day where I just relax for a second. Um, I don't, I wouldn't call it meditation. I do it once in a while, but not very often. Okay. Uh, but in your, in a relaxed state, you have to be in a relaxed state, uh, because having, if you have a mind that's, you know, before you go to bed at night and when you wake up in the morning, right in that, those moments of twilight before you fall asleep or after you wake up, um, think, think, uh, if you have a bunch of turbulent a turbulent um, ocean be, be analogy being your mind and you have a lot of uh, thoughts and, oh, what am I going to do about this negative? If you have a turbulent, a mind that's like a turbulent ocean, you can drop a boulder in there and nothing, you're not going to notice any different. But if you have a mind like a calm mind, relaxed, and you eradicate all the negativity, and you, it's like a calm lake, and you throw a pebble in a calm lake and you'll see the ripples. Sure. For a long, long time. That's the analogy of having a calm mind and you place a thought in that calm mind and you think about it often and you recite it to yourself because you have, I a mentioned positive this. positive thought. Positive thought. Okay. Well, it works for positive and negative. You know, what you think about negatively, oh, 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 this, I'm going to fail at this. I'm going to fail at this. I'm going to, uh, this is not going to work out, blah, blah, blah. You know, you believe it and think about it more often that you're going to do actions in order to make that happen. Whether you think you can or you think you can't. You can. Or, you're right. You're right. Okay. That's, that's a very, I, I love that it's quote. my favorite quote. I love it. 
So it's like putting the seed in fertile soil. The fertile soil is your calm mind. The seed is the thought. The more often you, you think about it and you verbalize it to yourself, especially when you verbalize it to another person, it becomes the universe hears that. And, and all of a sudden you're, you, you, you're going down that path towards what you perceive. You know what I mean? So yeah. it's, in other words, the, it's, um, um, it's it's very it's very very powerful and we we have to have the thought remote in our hand all the time like you're watching TV and if something comes on the screen that you don't like you change the channel boom or you highlight delete in your computer so you have to be a, a monitor of what the thoughts you think about and I think it's real easy to say everything you just now said having practiced it for a while for those who are listening to this thinking. Well, that's easier said than done. You're, you're right. It is. You have to. This is something that doesn't just happen overnight. If you're, if you're prone to negative thinking, if you're prone, if your mind is that crazy water that you're talking about, that, that just that ocean, that rocky ocean, it doesn't become a still pond overnight. Like, no. And I, you, we talk about meditation. I love to meditate. It's one of my favorite things in the world to do is meditate because it, it helps calm that water for me and if you do it in the beginning of the day there's a bunch of apps there's insight timer there's headspace a, headspace is a headspace has a 10 10 episodes as you start for free and hit learn to meditate and it's a and it's so i think there's this fear that well I, my brain is so clouded my brain it just wanders every time it's like that's okay yeah. It's like working out like well i i see the guys at the gym lifting the two plates on the bench i can't do that like you gotta start somewhere, and the, you gotta take one foot and put it in front of the other, and start walking before you run. You've gotta if you get this app, start the day off, start a meditation. Just a, even if you just go sit outside, by leave your phone away, sit outside by yourself with your thoughts, and practice gratitude. Think about five things that you're really grateful for, and it's real easy to do. Sitting in an air conditioned home is start there. Right, right. I'm sitting in a 72-degree room. That's pretty cool. In 90 degrees outside, I'm going to go have a cup of coffee, or I'm going to hear birds chirping. I'm going to do whatever it is. Just stop and feel that moment. When you're done, you're going to go, wow, I just took a vacation from that crazy boiling this 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 storm that you i just think of this when you said that the rough seas i just think god my brain gets there at nighttime sometimes mm -hmm. and i have to turn it off so that i can sleep and that's what i used to do i used to drink i used to, well, to I drink that'll turn i it can't off, right? turn it off i just got to start drinking and now i've learned that i don't have to do that and i can just take a few moments to myself and leave my phone away or sometimes just pulling up my phone i don't know but that gratitude i think is the main thing when you start practicing things like I'm really, I'm really fortunate. I'm going to go get in my car. Well, it's a piece of shit car, but it's a car that's going to get you as you drive by people stand at the bus stop as you correct, drive, like, whatever it may be. It's not a, I'm better than you kind of a thing. No. It's just being grateful that you have what other people lack, you know, every day. And it, that works in any way you go. And that's the beginning point. Once you start recognizing that that calm happens and then you're able to pay it forward. Then you're able to say, Hey, look, I find grat. I'm going to be, I'm, Hey man, what's up? Let me sign your thing. Let me take a picture with you. Right. Cause I've, I found that. Right. So I just, there's a practical way to, to start practicing 
the things that you're talking about. And I just wanted to kind of get into some of that, like, because it doesn't happen overnight. How, where do I start, Sandy? Well, you, you start, you know, if you have a problem thinking positive, sit down and have the discipline, sit down and close your eyes and think about the state of our planet today. Think about, you know, if you want to be grateful, and I know this is kind of people are going to go, well, that's the opposite. The opposite happens when I watch the news. Watch the evening news about now what's what's happening is there's a big fire. There's a fire. There's a flood. And I, I, I there's a Kentucky. flood in Kentucky. Yeah. And it's, two, it's 200 miles from Nashville. Where we're sitting right now, where people's houses are underwater, is 200 miles from here. So think about the plight of those people. Think about the plight of, of the victims of a natural disaster, the fires in, in, in the Pacific Northwest, the floods in Kentucky, the war in the Ukraine, what's happening with the, uh, the world economy, recession, whatever. Think about, think about the, the, the circumstances that a lot of people on this planet, you know, the people that go to bed hungry, where you go to, while you're thinking about that, you're on your way to the fridge to get a donut and, and some, you know, some, a milk, uh, milk and cookies or whatever you know what i mean so and you have you're in a 72 degree house we're sitting in you know what i mean there's always if you look it doesn't take much to look around and be thankful for what you have we well, yeah, your car's a piece of shit but again like you said look at the person on the bus stop you know uh whatever your, it is. your house is a, whatever but i i i'm seeing a new therapist I'm going actually today, but I'm, I'm I'm seeing a new therapist, which is amazing, and I I love it. I need that that for me. But doing the questionnaire when seeing a new therapist is a really great way to practice gratitude. And I'll tell you why. Because I asked you a question: Are you in fear of abuse at home? And I'm like, no. Are you? How many nights a week do you go to bed in fear of your next meal? I I don't at all. Are you in fear? How many times has your electricity been cut off in the past year? You're like, it hasn't. Have you, like, are you in fear of not having reliable transportation? Are you in fear? And it's like all these questions. And I'm like, I'm doing pretty fucking good. Yeah, right. Like, I'm my gratitude's <laughs> over the top awesome. right now. And it's like, well, and also I felt an empathy. I felt like, a man, there are people that right check now, those boxes, right? Check those boxes. I'm like, what can I do? I want to help. Like, I don't know where it is. Am I, am I in a position to help? I don't know, but I know I need help. I'm going, I have all those things and I need therapy. Like there's not a point to where you're like, I'm done. I'm fixed. I'm better. And I think service, that service side is where my brain immediately goes to. I want to help those people. What can I do to help the people that don't have a place to live or the, or the electricity? Like what can I do? And so it's weird how your brain just starts to go there. So I, I, it's funny because I had this moment a few weeks ago when I started seeing this person, and I went, "Wow, I'm I'm pretty damn fortunate." Did I'm you? Just, uh, um, it's, it, 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 let me interrupt. Did you think while well, you're filling out check when you're filling out that application or that uh, questionnaire? Did you ever think after seeing all those questions, you ever think, "Well, what what am what am I doing here?" What, no, what am I, what, no, no, I didn't think that at all. No, I know I'm, I, I know I need You need it to be there, right? Yeah, I, look, you know what? I think like anybody, mental health is so vital. And I'm doing, I wasn't well for a really long time. Uh, I, I was sick for years. Depression is real, all this stuff, no matter who you are. 
Like, so, I mean, I'm up here talking to the drummer from Cindy. Law. I'm, I'm, I'm talking to a celebrity here, and I've got these people. I have this this life I portray on this podcast is positive, and it is, man. I'm I love life every day. I want to just yes, like seize the day, right? I'm carpe diem every day. Mondays, yes, but that doesn't mean that I don't get scared right. at times. Doesn't mean that my relationship isn't perfect. I'm a, right dad to kids i don't know if i'm doing the right thing i i have three full-time jobs <laughs> like i don't know like there's a lot of stuff that like everybody needs behind closed somewhere. door behind yeah. the closed door of your mind you know you you know you with the thing brandon that i'm uh again if uh, speaking to the whole thing where you don't know what goes on behind closed doors and i don't mean the physical closed doors i mean the mental closed doors when when a person is by themselves you get these people that are successful and whatever and then you read that they ace themselves you, that they, that there was a suicide situation and yeah. wh what could be going on in somebody's mind because to me when you do something like that that's a, a permanent solution to a temporary problem 100 percent. and and i i can't I can't uh, put myself in somebody's shoes that would go to that extent to alleviate how much pain and suffering could somebody have to, to, to necessitate that action to end that pain and suffering permanently. When from the out from the from the external from the from the you know the impression that other people have about that person is that they had the life they have a successful company a beautiful family you know they left three kids and a beautiful house and what so what could be what what could be that strong of an issue to to cause somebody to do that and the manner of suicide doesn't really matter whether it's a gunshot or over the overdose or whatever look at naomi judges recently Right. I mean, Naomi Jesmo's people that I saw her, she came to the restaurant all the time, her and Larry did. And every time you go and talk to her, and she was friendly and she was kind. And she's, gosh, she's a member of the Judds and she's about to be in the, the Hall of Fame and like all these things. And you don't know what's going on. Right. You don't know what's going on. And I mean, that's where that, that's where that moment, that smile, that good morning to somebody that you have no idea what's happened to somebody's face when they walk inside the door of your restaurant. Right. And that's where that friendly welcome, we're excited you're here. Like, I thought everybody hates me. Like I'm in a bad place, but I walk in here and you guys make me feel great. You guys give me hope. There's something that we do. And that's more than just, I'm a waiter. I mean, right. that's where I kind of look at this, this job in the service industry. Like I take it serious. Like we're providing something that gives people hope that gives people a better day. Like it's really fascinating if you genuinely believe that, mm -hmm. you can have a really good time waiting tables. Absolutely. You can have a really good time being a host, being a bartender, being a manager, whatever it might be in the service industry. When you can really grasp that, right. it's pretty special. And that that attitude it comes from the leadership that those waiters and waitresses have. And that's you, Brandon. Well, it comes from leadership. It also comes from hiring people with really good attitudes. Attitude is the only thing that I really hire for. Right. I had a kid come in one time. I've told this story 50 times on the podcast, but I'll tell you. He came in and he said, I said, if you're waiting tables for it? And he goes, nope, never have. And I go, oh, well, we typically like a little more experience. was at Maribel. And I said, a little more experience because we've got, you know, I've got 100 wines on the list and there's some pretty elevated bourbons and, and food. And he goes, look. I'm a sharp kid. I'm going to go to NYU. I'm going to do this and this. I'm going to make mistakes. He said, but I'll tell you what, I, I will never make the same mistake twice. He goes, I learned from my mistakes and I'm eager and excited to learn. I'm super curious. And this is a job I really want to do. 
you're hired. Right. I mean, how do you say no to, right. I know I'm going to make mistakes, but I only make mistakes one time. I'm going to learn from them. Like, that's it, man. That's the key to life. He's passionate. Just, He's passionate about being successful. You just hit it. Like you're, I, I don't, whatever you do at this point, I want to see, I want to see you make the mistakes. I'm right. now, now it's a science experiment. I want to see how well you do this. And I want to tell your story. Right. Because that's the mindset you have to have in right. everything that you do. Really? In my right. opinion. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Sandy, this has been a lot of fun. I, I, I really appreciate, I was looking forward to this, Brandon, and uh, it's been a lot of fun. I love the conversation. It's awesome. I want to get into like stories of like Joan Jett, like on stage. What is that dynamic like? Like when you're there, she is there a look that she would give when you would need to do something different or you're transitioning or was it all, what, were the, what, what do people throw on the stage? <laughs> I mean, you know, like if you're back in those days, you met Kip Winger, you know, he lives here in town. All yeah, those he does. Guys. So I'm, I'll, I'm like, I was going to ask you, how many of those people that you talk about live in Nashville now? Like all uh, a lot of people live in Nashville. Um, yeah. Kip, Kip is one of them. Um, and Paul, his guitar players are regular. He comes into the grill a lot. Paul. And he's, oh, Paul. Oh, Paul. Yeah. I forget his name. Uh, him and his wife. Are, Red Beach, Red Beach. Uh, yeah. Uh, the keyboard player too, uh, in wingers. Um, but anyway, but uh, the, the lead singer, uh, Vince Neal lives here. The lead singer, Motley Crue. Um, uh, just it, it, who do you hang out with? Do you hang out with those guys? Do you like? I um, I'm getting the Howard Stern side of this thing. Who do you party with? What's going on? I, here? I really don't party that much. I'm I'm basically a homebody. Uh, I because I I've spent my life in, in bars and clubs and and arenas and you know I mean and people ask me oh, are you going to go to the Joan Jett show and a Motley Crue and Def Leppard at, at uh, did you go at, no. No, I didn't go. <laughs> I didn't go because it, that, that's at Nissan Stadium and it's it's four-hour gig and there's waiting online and the parking. I just, you know, at, at my age, Brandon, I'd just rather sit home with my dog and my wife and watch the Yankees, talk to my, my daughter online because she's on the road now with a band called the uh, Sleigh Bells and um, she's road manager Sleigh now. Bells? Yeah, it was a band I've called... i heard of the Sleigh Bells. Yeah, uh, they're a New so. York-based band and they're coming to Nashville. Nashville, I think uh, August sixteenth, and playing the Exit Inn here in Nashville. That's awesome. But my daughter's the tour manager, and um, so I, I, I'd much rather be home than go out and, and do, because I've seen that movie already. I've done, I've done that. You know, after on tour with Joan Jett and Cindy Lauper, the band used to always go to like the play the arena in town, but you go to the bar, you go to the rock club in town, and see we got to tell those stories. Yeah, <laughs> I want to know what happened at the rock club after the Cindy Lauper concert in nineteen eighty five. Uh, well, there was, we played, well, one interesting story that happened when I was on the road with Cindy Lauper, uh, it was New Year's, uh, it was, uh, Halloween and we played Birmingham, Alabama. And I remember Cindy never year, really used to come out with the band. Like the band used to go was to a she rock married? club. Uh, she was dating. She was, li had a living boyfriend and that was Dave in the doorway. That was, uh. Oh, so she was dating David. Yeah, well, she was living with David. Okay. Um, yeah, she was living. She she had a relationship. That that relationship is no longer, but because uh, uh, Cindy is married to another Dave, I forget his last name. He's an actor, and they have a a, a kid, a, a boy, and Dax. I think his name is anyway. Anyway, going back to Birmingham, Alabama, after the Cindy Lauper concert, we played the big arena there. It was Halloween. 
1984, and, the, and Cindy decided to go out to this club with the band. And the road manager came with us, and some of the crew came with us. And and uh, unlike our, our road our road manager usually used to call ahead and say, "Hey, we're going to bring can we put us on the guest list or whatever." We'll find out about security, or whatever. But our road manager didn't do this. So for this particular gig, I don't know why. Maybe you couldn't get a hold of the manager of the club or whatever. But we all were there waiting online to get into this club. This is, um, you know, maybe 11 o'clock on Halloween night. And they were in the process, the club. And once we got in, we realized that they were having a Halloween costume contest. So Cindy walks in we walk with the band and she, she goes, watch this. <laughs> and she, and she, she, she goes up to the line, waiting online. She, Cindy Lauper was online, dressed as Cindy Lauper. She goes, "I'm dressed as Cindy Lauper." And she, so when when she gets to the, you know, everybody in the club basically kind of knew what was going on because we had just played the arena in Birmingham like a couple hours earlier. So she went and she won, she won the the best costume contest because she was dressed like Cindy Lauper. And it was Cindy Lauper. Did anybody know? That- well, yeah, the, some, some, yeah. By the time she got to the front, everybody kind of knew. But it was like a big joke, you know. The 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 MC was going, "Yeah, we have a winner. We have, you know." So everybody kind of it was in on the joke. That's but awesome. Yeah, it was awesome. So we ended up sitting in with the band there, and it was it was an awesome night. It was great. Yeah. Wow. That's just a, that's a crazy story. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, you talk about, was there a certain signal that, you, that um, you know, you know, dr- drummers need to be, need to serve the song and they need to serve the gig. And uh, I always kept my, my eyes laser focused on whatever singer I'm supporting. And one of the reasons I've been told, one of the reasons uh, my, of my success in the rock, in rock and roll business, because I never tried to shine the light on me. I'm there as the drummer, the engine of the car, the backbeat, the backbone of the band. As the band, as the drummer goes, the band goes. I don't care how big or small the band is. The drummer is the leader of the band, no matter what gig it is. And it's my responsibility to serve the song, A, and to serve the singer. And I never, Cindy used to tell me, Sandy, if there's not a crash on the record, don't be crashing it live. Play exactly what's on the record live. So that was a challenge uh, because I had to play the same way every single night. The same. There was one moment in the show where I can really let let loose, and it was one of those endings where it was a rock and roll ending, like and in that little fanfare would just go crazy and i would go crazy i'd let out like an hour and 15 minutes worth of fills and (laughs) chops and and cindy used to come and during that 10 seconds of craziness she used to come on the riser and hit my cymbals with with uh towels and whatever i got pictures of her, her doing that but anyway the point is is that you serve the song and that's why i'm, I'm as successful as i am in, in supporting because you're in a spirit of support and in my in my presentation i talk about i analogize how a leader of a company or the general manager of a restaurant is like being the drummer in the band where the restaurant goes as you go. I made this reference to the general manager yesterday. 
Oh, you're not the general no, manager? I'm the director of operations. I have general managers at both the locations. I see. So they actually, I'm, I only have two people that report to me, all the restaurants, and it's both the general managers. I see. So, but, but it's, I apologize. I'm honored to be considered either way. I don't, it doesn't matter to me what I'm called, but I told the general manager said every day when managers walk, they set the pace. Right. There, whatever. If you walk in the door and you're pissed off, guess what? The rest is correct. Up. You give them permission to act whatever you are. So if you walk in and you're motivational and you're excited to be there and let's get this thing going, guess what? It lifts everybody else. Absolutely, up they're kind of mirroring your energy, right? So when you come in, your energy's got to be strong. It's got to be there. That's me. There you go. Do you like what? What are you on? And I was like. Nothing. Life. Like I just, yeah. I'm like, I'm, I'm gratitude. I'm on gratitude. I'm gracious that I get to be here today. I'm like, this is my dream career, and I get to do it. Right. And I like, oh, he's so exhausting. Like, yeah, I am, and I'm not gonna stop. Like that's right. Just, that's what I do. And that's that's a big part of the presentation. How I I metamorphosize the the drummer slash leader because you as the leader, you as the drummer, you're in a, in a spirit of support of your other musicians. You know, when the guitar player is doing a solo, you don't want to upstage him, and you play the solid beat, the found lay the foundation upon which he can shine. And that's what a leader, true leader, should do is create the situation where an employee can shine yeah you are leading future leaders you want people to be successful you don't want to pound people down you want to ask questions if they're not performing right and give them all the hardware and and the 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 inspiration uh to to do well you want them to do well you know, and, and that's my role as a drummer in a band is that I support, number one, the person whose name is on the marquee. And if Cindy Lauper wants to cut my hair and, and my big, long rock and roll hair down to my tits, and <laughs> I'm going to cut. Hey, Sandy, do you mind if I cut your hair? But I want to leave your ponytail long and I want to dye it red. Do you mind if I do that? Not at all, Cindy. I'm go working for, it. Let's for you. Go. Let's go. Your name is on the marquee. You sign my checks. I'm there to serve you. And that's what, and the drummer is the leader, the musical leader of a band, but yet I'm there to serve. And that's why, that's what makes a leader a great leader is that he is the leader. You, you answer to him, but he's there to serve you, wants to make you successful. So did you ever want to, did you, do you write your own songs? Did you ever do your uh, own thing? Do you ever want to lead your own band, like uh, a Max Weinberg kind of a? I I never I never really got into writing. I I tried at one point. As a matter of fact, when I was with Cindy Lauper, we went to the Casio, which made synthesizers. We went to their ca uh, factory, and as a as because Cindy endorsed Casio or something, or the keyboard player endorsed Casio. And we were all given keyboards. We were all given synthesizers. Oh, so nice. I brought mine home and I'm going, well, wait a minute. I just got this for free. I'll put the headphones on and I'll, I'll take keyboard lessons. And with keyboard lessons and learning some musical theory, I can write songs. So let's give that a go, I'm saying to myself. So I, I, taught, I bought myself some books and I taught my... And then practicing for an hours on the keyboards, I'm going... Why am I practicing this when I still have so much more to learn about drumming? Well, because you needed to do that to open your eyes to learn more about drumming. I, I, yeah, that's that's right. That's true. So I, I kind of gave up the keyboard. I still have the keyboard at home. As a matter of fact, uh, 
it's antique or whatever. So to answer your question, I wrote a few songs in my life. Um, one of them was uh, Tweezers of Your Love, which I ended up... Uh, Tweezers, Tweezers of, of Your Love. I ended up singing that on Johnny Carson. I was picked on Stump the Band. That's another... Another situation of oh, that's of visual, right. visualization, yes. you know, watching stump the band, Johnny, Car- whatever. That's another story. Well, let's yeah. tell that story. Hell, we got ten. We got five minutes left. <clears throat> One okay. more good story. I was a big fan of the Johnny Carson show when he hosted the Tonight Show, and uh, I loved it. I loved him. I I laughed my ass off every single night, and it was the last thing I watched before I went to bed and home. It was a ninety-minute show, eleven thirty to one o'clock in, in the East Coast. So I, I, especially when he played this game called Stump the Band, and the idea of the game was that every, you know, Johnny uh, hosted his show five nights a week, but every three weeks he played this game. And the idea of the game was he would go in the audience, randomly pick somebody out of the audience. They would mention the name of a song, like an antidote song or whatever, funny little song. And if the Tonight Show band didn't guess the song on uh, based on the name, that the, the contestant would win and the audience member would then win a dinner for four or whatever. It's just a yeah. silly little game. And I said to myself, after I shut the Tonight Show off when he, when he would play Stump the Band, I said, man, if I was ever on Stump the Band, I know exactly what song I would sing because I wrote it. And I'm going to be on Stump the Band. I'm going to be on the Tonight Show. I love the Tonight Show. And I used to dream about it. And I had one of those realistic dreams about being, I dreamt in visual, I visualized myself on Carson, dreamt about it in great detail. The microphone, Johnny sitting there interviewing me, the Tonight Show band, what the t- the t- big TV uh, camera on a dolly and whatever. The the way the lights looked in the studio. Sure. And I woke up uh, the next morning and I I actually had one of those dreams where I actually believed that I was. Did that? I said, did that really happen? <laughs> and then I looked around, and, that, and then all of a sudden, reality kicked in. But 1976, I moved to Los Angeles from New York to get my first big break in the music business. And Johnny emanated a show from Burbank at the time. I sent away for tickets. I got the t- tickets to go, and, the, and I went to the Tonight Show, was seated in the audience, and Johnny, on that given night, he decides to play, well, not, it was planned that he played Stump the Band, and I'm the first person he picked out of the audience. Just randomly. Randomly. And I stood up, and he goes, what's the name of the song? And I said, whatever. You have to watch it. It's on my YouTube channel. If you're searching on my YouTube channel, um, it it had... <laughs> and did you you said tweezers of my love? Tweezers of your love. Tweezers of, tweezers your, love. of your love. And and uh, obviously the, I wrote the songs so that the band didn't know it, and I wanted dinner for four. But the punchline is is that that was my f- I was an audience member, but I went on to appear on the Carson show with Lauper. Cindy Lauper twice, two other times, and one. Now I'm in the green room with Johnny Carson before we go on stage with you know a, a Tonight Show with Cindy. And I said to Johnny, hey, Johnny, this is now, this is 1984 when I was on there with Cindy, and I appeared, I did Stump the Band in 1976, 77. Johnny, do you remember me being on Stump the Band? He goes, no, man, we had a lot of people on Stump the Band. He goes, what song did you sing? And I went, Tweezers of Your Love. He went, you're the guy that gave the chords to the song. Because when they said, when he says, hey, Sandy, what's the, uh, when I was on Stump the Man, he goes, hey, what's the name of the song? And I said, Tweezers of Your Love. And I, I, for, I said, for the benefit of the band, it's G, A minor, D to G. I gave the band the chords of the song. And now, subsequently, when I met him backstage, he said, 
hey, Sandy, uh, I, I mentioned Tweezers Over Love. He goes, you're the guy that gave the, the chords to the, you're the only guy. And that's what made him remember. Wow. So I was end, ended up being on Carson with Cindy twice. And then when Jay Leno hosted it, I was on it with the Monkees. So I was on a total, the tonight show, you see, you dream about something and you visualize something, you know, something, the, the way the universe works, you end up getting it. So be careful what you wish for. <laughs> well, like, like Howard says, I said, we, uh, well, we, we, we've covered it all. Awesome. I said, we've, we've, I've learned a lot today. Uh, so have I. I've really appreciated. And um, I've learned a lot about you, Brandon, and I, <laughs> I appreciate that very much. Uh, it's been a lot of fun. The last thing we do on the show is we do the Gordon Food Service final thought. Okay. All right, so what this is, is you get to take us out. Take us out. Whatever you want to say, as long as you want to say it, kind of a final thought, surmise, whatever advice, whatever whatever you want. To, you could say whatever you want. The mic is yours. Well, Go. just, you know, the, the message is, is just be positive and, you know, think about the BEATS acronym of belief, enthusiasm, attitude, tenacity, and service. And if you want to learn more about it, go to my website, which is sandygenaro.com. If you want a signed copy of my book, Beat the Odds in Business and Life, uh, go to my website if you want a pair of Beat the Odds drumsticks. They're available there. If you just want the book and don't care if it's signed or not, just go to Amazon uh, and search my name, Sandy Gennaro. And if you want to reach me, my email is sandy at sandygennaro.com. I answer all of my emails. It might take a day or two. But go ahead and let me know what you think. Let Brandon know what you think of this podcast. And um, and I look forward to, to, um, to uh, hearing from all of you. I appreciate it. Sandy, thank you so much. Would they have this book at Parnassus? Uh, they do not. They we can do get not it and, over at you know, We can buy it locally. Um, well, you know what? I it's funny you mentioned that because uh, I filled out an application to do to have them carry the book, but being that it was released in May, they 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 tend to promote books that were just about to be released or released like really really recently. Okay, gotcha. So the Fed, so it's not available upon us unfortunately. All right, well get on Amazon, you can follow him Sandy Genero. That's S A N D Y G E N N A R O. It has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you again for coming by today and uh wish nothing but best of success. I appreciate it, Brandon. Thank you so much. And I wish you the best and congratulations on your sobriety. Thank you, man. Well, that was a ton of fun. Thank you guys for sticking in there. An hour and a half talking with Sandy Gennaro. I hope you guys enjoyed that interview. Please go to NashvilleRestaurantRadio.com. Vote for your favorite Mexican restaurant. Go to Brandon's Book Club. And if you want the book, let me know. I'll be happy to purchase it for you. And stay tuned. Monday, Pearl Diver, Ben and Jamie. It is a freaking awesome show. You're going to love it. I cannot wait to put this out there. Lots of things going on. Thank you guys for listening. Hope you're being safe. Love you guys. Bye.